Welcome to season three, episode five of Burner Talk. You are now listening to the podcast that keeps it real all the time. I'm your host, Jay, back with another episode where we have relatable and potentially outrageous takes. Apologies in advance if I sound a bit off. I haven't been feeling too well this past week. Let's just consider it the flu pod. It's been almost exactly a year since this guest has been on the pod, and he's making his return today for a second appearance to talk about NFL free agency, the NBA playoff push, and March Madness. Let's welcome back Isaiah. Say what's up to the audience. Plug your Twitter. Tell us how you're feeling today. Uh, what's up, y'all? Uh, Twitter's at DaphneNoxie, and I'm feeling good seeing the uh, Lakers demise. I'm a certified hater in many channels. The Lakers demise. Yeah. yeah. Um, they've they've been off this year, as everybody has noticeably seen with Westbrook and uh, AD has just not played. Uh, LeBron's been amazing, though. You have to give it to him being 37 and still averaging. 30 points he could win the scoring title yeah I mean the scoring title is one thing but we're looking at it again like we saw Brad Beal last year it just seems like empty scoring on that is true that is true uh I mean they still have a chance to make the plan I don't know how realistic that is at this point in time I just feel like with the Lakers um I've said it to a lot of people that the team that they have isn't well constructed. And you mentioned it earlier, how they gave up all their wing depth and a lot of their key bench pieces from the championship run and a lot of their young talent for Russell Westbrook. I think it was Kuzma and Harold KCP. I think that was the three pieces they gave up in that trade. And obviously he's not been a great fit. No. And the fit had its, red flags from the jump uh with his previous pieces the ball still could be in lebron's hands as much as it needed and he was able to do the plug and play with the veteran guard like we saw with rondo on the championship run the ball could be in his hands when he needed it but it didn't have to be for the you know bare bones you know what you would think an offense would look like it all has to run through braun because westbrook isn't playing with enough talent to go ahead and do his facilitating like he's done in other places so also, they don't have the right coach. Vogel, the right coach is sitting next to Vogel. Yeah, I agree. I don't know if Vogel – well, I mean, he, he got the ring in 2020, but can we really credit him for that? But wh- which coach are you referring to? Fisdale. Fizz is the one that should be running the ship over there. Oh, David Fisdale, yeah. Heat product. Certified. Yeah, I, I could see that. Um. I honestly thought Vogel, I thought his time was up during the middle of the season. I thought he was going to get fired, but they've they've kept him, surprisingly. Yeah, speaking of April, I think the the playoffs start in about two weeks or so, which I'm pretty excited for. Yeah, we got playing games. I think in ten days. Yeah, um, the, what's your 
thoughts on the playing tournament? Do you like it? Despise it? What's your thoughts on that? I like it a lot. The only thing I wish that they would do with the playing tournament is incentivize it for the lottery. So instead of um, just like the top three teams getting the same lottery odds, honestly, I think it should be the four teams in the play-in getting the same odds as those three right there. Because those four teams have been playing hard the whole time to try and win games and try and be competitive versus you're going to have seven teams that, I mean, the Pacers and Kings haven't played a basketball game in like six weeks. So everything <laughs> about the uh, playing tournament is good for me. Yeah, just from a fan standpoint, I really like um, how it has that intensity at the end of the season, like we saw with the the Lakers-Warriors game last year. And uh, I think it's really split half and half between people, and I kind of see why people don't like it. Uh, But there's one change that they mentioned. It was how they did it in the bubble where you have to have, like, a five-game threshold I'm pretty sure the nine and 10 has to have a five game threshold back of the eighth in order to activate the playing tournament, which I, I could see. I, I like that idea. Yeah. I mean, but more than anything, it keeps the games competitive. I genuinely don't care how far the nine and 10 are back from the eight because we're going to see it this year. I know a nine, nine or 10 seed is going to make the playoffs. Like it, it's going to happen, especially with the nine and 10 in the East where you're going to have possibly Brooklyn Someone of Brooklyn, Atlanta, and Charlotte is going to be in that 9-10 and 10 game. Any yeah. of those teams could beat the Cavs. <laughs> the Cavs just aren't clicking right now. That is true. Yeah, I I can see it with both sides, but me personally, I, I have no issue with it. And also, like you mentioned, with the Nets, you have Kyrie and Katie with the 10 seed. Um, he's been a part-time employee the whole season. <laughs> and uh, – KD, he was hurt for, uh, I'd say it was about 20 games or so. And then you got the Lakers, AD's been out, and we just mentioned all that earlier. So it leaves the door open for that to have teams who have had injury struggles to pop up at the last second and get their chance in the play-in. So I'm a fan of it. And this year, as, as of this current moment, we have – the Timberwolves versus the Clippers, which should be an interesting matchup. If you had to pick one right now, who would you go with? Oh, in a one-game series right now, even though how great T. Lou is and everything that the Clippers are doing, the Timberwolves just have enough of that, you know, that boy nice metric to be like, yeah, they're going to go ahead and get me one game right here. Mm-hmm. Do they get swept by the Grizzlies in the, you know, 2-7? Probably. But – in terms of getting enough offense for that game right there, yeah, you just got to go with the Wolves. Yeah, I every time I bet against the Clippers, it never goes well. So I'd have to say the Clippers, especially if if Paul George is back for good. I know he came back a few games ago. If he's 100% healthy, I'm just going to say the Clippers just because it never goes well when I bet against them. But – on the other side of the 7-8, we got the Cavs and the Hawks. These are tentative, obviously, but we're just talking about it right now. Who would you go with that matchup? I'd go with the Hawks. I, I genuinely think the Cavs are, are not going to make the playoffs. From being everyone's darling in February to completely missing it now would just be the pinnacle of, A, Cleveland sports, and B, you know, narratives not needing to be built in February. 
yeah, you really have to try hard to not make the playoffs as the seven seed. You have to lose twice. Very embarrassing. But, yeah, I can see it. The Hawks have been very mediocre all season, but they also do have a bit of playoff experience. So they made the Eastern Conference Finals last year. So, yeah, I could definitely see that. And they beat the Cavs in that game. And then back to the Western side with the 9 and 10, you got the Spurs and the Pelicans. Not a huge box office draw, but who would you take in that one? All right, that game right there, I would have to go with the Spurs solely because I think that they're going to uh, have enough of a pull there with DeJounte and the pop narrative. So with pop not wanting to go out sad in his last game, it's just something I see happening. Yeah, I, I could see that. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to take New Orleans. Just I, I really like the addition of CJ McCollum. I think I don't know. It's really hit or miss with him. He could drop 40 and carry them to a victory. And him and Ingram could just turn up. And they don't they haven't had Zion all season, which is still crazy. Excited to see what he can do with that squad. But yeah, I'm gonna go with the Pelicans in that matchup. And then the next one, you got the Hornets. And the Nets, which I don't think is a question, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Uh, you, you know the Nets should win, like, honestly, if everything goes right. Oh, yeah, 100%. They should win. Yeah, no question. Uh, but also, if everything went right all year, they shouldn't be in this game. <laughs> so, right. yeah, you never know, but you just have to believe that the, the Nets will pull that one off. Yeah, I got to go Nets. It's uh, nothing – really analytical about it just too much firepower and Hornets have no experience whatsoever uh Kyrie Katie are just gonna outscore them that's all I can say about that after that point you have yeah I have, I have the Spurs coming out of that Pelicans game hmm. also you have to you have to think about it the Spurs this year have four of your top 10 scoring games they can fill up that stat sheet it's just one of those consequences of watching way too many Spurs games living in Texas, but they can, they can really fill it up quick. So, okay. Let's just say this. Ultimately, who do you think is going to be the seven and eight in the West? Seven, eight in the West are going to be the Wolves and Clippers. Wolves and Clippers. And how about the East? Uh, Hawks and Nets. Hawks and Nets. Okay. Yeah. I'm just looking through these playoff matchups and I'm interested to see. We've got some – yeah, we're just going to go based off of yours. So you said Wolves and Clippers. So it would be the Suns versus the Wolves. I got I got Wolves coming at that seven seed. So it should be Suns, Clippers. Okay, this playing tournament thing is throwing me all off. Okay, Suns and Clippers, Grizzlies and Wolves. Yeah, I just no, – yeah. That it's crazy how it can all switch, like just in a game. You would think that it would revert back to previous, but right, it just it is what it is. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, yeah. So based off that, we're just gonna go throw some quick predictions. So yeah, we start with the East. Do the one in the eight, the Heat versus the Nets. Uh, I still think the Heat win because who's gonna contribute outside of uh 
Durant and Irving. Like, even if you're giving up 65, 70 points a game to that duo, I don't know where they get 35 more points. That is true. And I think Bam's going to feast as well, or he should anyways have that mentality. But you know how he gets. <laughs> yeah, I, I think beyond anything, though, if Bam stays at 15 to 17 a game for that series, Lowry's starting to score now. So you're getting another 8 to 10 points you weren't getting anyway. Right. So I think the points are going to come there. It just won't be as concentrated as we'll see from the Nets. And what about the four and five, the 76ers and the Raptors? I think the Sixers win that one at seven, but it goes seven. I don't think the Sixers win a single game in Toronto. So it, it would have to go seven and be seven home wins in that one. Goes the seven with Harden and Embiid? Interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dude, the U- we're going to see it today. The Raptors team is really, <laughs> really good. Like, they are a very good team. And they will scheme out Harden from putting up as much as he wants to. And Bede will still get you 25, 30, 35 a game. But Harden's going to have an inefficient 25. Yeah, I can see. I mean, that's what usually happens in the playoffs anyway. So, I can see that. Um, still got to go Philly, though. i say six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's just go six. And then the next one is Milwaukee and Chicago. Who you got? <laughs> Milwaukee wins that in three and a half games. <laughs> three and a half games? <laughs> yeah, Chicago yes. doesn't stand a damn chance. <laughs> I agree. Chicago's been very fraudulent. Like, I don't know. During the earlier half of the season, I thought they had a good chance to win the East. And then I read Stat Muse and I realized they're 2 and 19 against. All the good teams. I'm thinking, I think you said they're two and 19 against the top five teams in the league or something like that. Top five in each conference, I think. Yes, top five or in like each top conference. Top six overall. Yeah, they, they can't win good games. Yeah, they can't compete against the big dogs. And that's not going to bode well in the playoffs, obviously. So, especially not Milwaukee. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Giannis is going to have fun in that series. Uh, Vooch. Is looking a bit cooked. I don't know what he plans to do against Giannis, but yeah, Bucks and four, no question. And then the next series is the Celtics and the Hawks. Uh, yeah, Celtics, I think, clean that up one up in five games, Max. That's just another team that's, I mean, Ime Udoka's had them playing crazy lately. You see that one wrapping up quick. Yeah, for sure. Got to go Celtics. They've been on a tear recently and Tatum's been having an MVP run he's averaging like 37 and 5 over the last month and the Celtics just like have barely been losing since the all-star break I don't know what got into them but I think it's gonna translate over into the playoffs as well and yeah yeah, they they started off really cold too and now they made it up all the way to the second seed so that shows you something I think Yudoka is a better coach than Brad Stevens, wouldn't you say? Uh, no, I don't think I'll give him full-fledged yet because Brad Stevens, as much as you know, we wanted to dunk on him in Miami and things like that, his entire time there was just running into LeBron in the conference finals. And then his other time he made it to the conference finals, he ran into Jimmy Butler and Bam and Spo and a team that was just, I mean – would not have passed any mental wellness check. Like that Miami team <laughs> in the bubble was just clinically insane. 
So he wasn't bad. He just was a victim of always playing someone better. So wrong place, wrong time, basically. Yeah, he's a he's a really good coach, and I think he'll be a above average uh, exec. But he may he may needs a little bit more time because Brad Stevens was definitely a flash in the pan out the gate as well. Because I mean, he went to the conference finals. What was it three of his first five years? Yeah, yeah, I can see that. As a matter of fact, yeah, let me give. Ime, this one playoff run, see what they do. Yeah, they're going to get hit by a brick wall in the second round. <laughs> so we'll see what he does. Oh, yeah, the Bucks second round. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's not going to be nice to him. Yeah. I don't know if you could really blame Giannis on Ime. So we'll see. And the next switching over back to the West is Phoenix versus the Clippers. Yeah, that's a uh, quick four-game series. Definitely will have some pictures of Devin Booker with his feet up in <laughs> the fourth quarter, some of those games. Tyloo's great, and he should definitely get some consideration for uh, Coach of the Year, especially in, like, just maybe them third-place votes that people get. But he's done an outstanding job with a team that had no Paul George, no Kawhi, and made something out of Reggie Jackson. Yeah, Western Conference Finals rematch, but there's no Kawhi this time. <laughs> so I think they make quick work this time. And Reggie Jackson was playing out of his mind last year in the playoffs, if you remember. Oh, yeah, he was he was a man unglued. But it's just another thing, too. Like, some of those guys show up whenever they're empowered to do so in those big, in those big games and those big series. Because if you remember, I know it's kind of taken a drawback back to 2016 in that playoff run with the Heat. Goran Dragic was having a decent year that whole time. And then for some reason, when the playoffs clicked that year, he just turned over to a new leaf. Right. Like he dropped 31 in the in game seven on Kimba. Yeah. I guess playoffs do that to some people. Just yeah, some, built for Draymond for, as, Draymond for as crazy as he is a lot of the time. Gave me one of the best sound bits that I used to judge players with your 82 game players and your 16 game players. The Clippers have a lot of 16 game players who are built for the playoffs. They sure but do. Some team, some teams are just 82 game players. Like oh, Philly. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely Philly. That's a great example. <laughs> and then the next is Dallas and the Utah Jazz is Spida about to be disappointed again. Spida will drop 33 to 37 a game for all five games of that series. We'll be very upset whenever they have to leave Dallas and he'll start planning his uh, trip to get away from the Utah Jazz. Dallas will win that series. Five games. Five games, a lot of anger and a lot of blown fourth quarter leads. (laughs) Quick work, quick work, five games. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I could I could see it. I could see it. I just, I don't know. The Jazz aren't a, they're not built for the playoffs, like we just mentioned as well. Another 82-game roster, so. Yeah, they have a guy they're paying $200 million that gets schemed out of those 16 games. They went yeah. up 3-1 against the Nuggets. And Gobert just got turned into flat Stanley by the end of that. No one yeah. saw him. He was <laughs> schemed out by Jokic 
and Aaron Gordon. Yeah, I, I would like to see Spider in another situation personally. So this might be the catalyst to that. We'll see. But yeah, I'll, I'll say Mavericks in six for sure. And then the next one is the Warriors and the Nuggets. That should be an interesting matchup. That will be interesting. And I'll give a kind of two contingent predictions on that one. Warriors in six, if Steph plays. If Steph doesn't play, it's honestly Nuggets in five. If he can't get back, the Nuggets are going to destroy him, especially with Jamal Murray coming back. Wait, he's coming back for the playoffs? I did not know that. He's already been ramped up in his workouts with the G League, closing it out. Like, he should he should begin on-court work with the uh, Nuggets pretty soon. That's as of what the Athletic reported. I want to say Wednesday. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm I'm assuming Steph will be back by then. I'm not 100% sure. But if he is back, I really can't bet against him. Yeah, you can't. And they'll do – Jokic should do everything he can. But Kavon Looney and Draymond will make his life pretty difficult. And we all know when Jokic gets a little frustrated, he just starts swinging on people. So once <laughs> that glue gets uh, a little un- unhinged on him, it's done for. Yes. Mark that was even a Morris. about the Morris hit. That was more so when he, lost, when he lost his marbles against Devin Booker last year on a play that had nothing to do with Devin Booker, just recovering a loose ball. And he just swung on him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was about to say Marquise Morris can attest to that. Yeah, that was a tough 60 games for him to have to sit out. Man, I really was not expecting him to be out with whiplash for 60 games. And Jokic got suspended a whole game. But that's another story for another day. <laughs> Indeed. And then the next is the two and the seven. I love this team is the Memphis Grizzlies and the Spurs, I believe. No, it's the Timberwolves for that one. Oh, Timberwolves. Yeah, that one. uh, One of my my friends told me that he thinks the Grizzlies win that one in four four games. I think that will be the most just angry six games of basketball we watch. Both of those teams feel like they're young and disrespected mm-hmm. the Grizzlies should come out of that in six but you can't put anything past the Timberwolves just I mean throwing a house at everybody that team just plays with anger yeah I've I've really loved watching the Grizzlies this year and you've seen how they play without their star player and John Morant they're like 19 and two when he doesn't play which I thought was a ridiculous stat. Um, if they're that deep, I just don't see any way they can lose, especially when Jaw is playing. And me personally, I feel like the Grizzlies can make a deep run, and Taylor Jenkins has been doing a hell of a job, hell of a coaching job. So, yeah, I got the Grizzlies in five. Yeah, I. it's one of those things, too, where – I actually like this year that Pat Bev is starting to get a little bit of his flowers. Mm -hmm. He does stuff for winning teams to where I'd be 0% surprised if the Timberwolves come out and honestly go up 1-0 or 2 up on them uh, just because of the veteran leadership that they have. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, I can see that. But also, outside of Jaw, I can't stand watching the Grizzlies play. They're so damn boring, but they just make shots. Like, nothing makes sense what they do. The shots just go in. It's, it's just like the u- best uniform. AAU team you've seen. It's very uniform. They're in the system completely. But, hey, nothing's wrong with that. Their second seed in the West won, like, 53 games. So, Yeah, no, they're definitely doing something right. Yeah, I, I honestly, I could see them making the Western Conference Finals. I mean, it's stocked up for them to do that. The only thing that can hold them back is, uh, you know, revitalize Steph and, again, just the Warriors having so much championship pedigree that takes it away from them. Yeah, absolutely. But I was – not expecting to be on this topic this long. I thought we were going to jump around. So let's go ahead and get into the NFL. Um, uh, first question off the bat is, is this the craziest offseason that the NFL has ever had? Uh, the craziest one I'll say I've been alive for, because you just got to know that ESPN was crazy with the great trade robbery with the Vikings and Cowboys, how they pulled that one off. But... <laughs> In my lifetime, this has got to be the craziest offseason you can see. So you do agree it's this year? Yes. Yeah, this year's crazy. Yeah, I I wasn't into the NFL until a few years back. Like, I've been a Giants fan, unfortunately, um, <laughs> since 2007. And, like, I've only watched the Giants. I haven't really – been into like the other 29 teams so i just got into it a few years back and of course for me this was insane seeing all these big moves and uh big names moving to different franchises like Devontae adams and russell wilson khalil mack etc cetera, etc cetera. so what was the most shocking move to you uh the most shocking move to me was Devonte adams actually getting traded I did not think Devontae would leave Aaron Rodgers till he retired. Oh, really? And yeah, it's just one of those things that seem like a match made in heaven for them. They've just been together the whole time. And the whole time to me, I'm thinking that uh, Aaron Rodgers would be the one to leave. Like Aaron Rodgers would blow up that partnership. Never Devontae getting traded. Yeah, with Aaron Rodgers, I thought, didn't he request a trade last offseason or he was trying to move last offseason yeah he was someone that we saw uh, as a potential move last offseason and now he ended up staying which that kind of threw me for a loop I was kind of shocked about that and um he stays and now his number one receiver is gone crazy how that works <laughs> uh yeah they don't even have capital to try and replace him either I mean who who was their Second best option is it Marquez, Valdez, Scantling, or yeah, Scantling was, and then uh, Tanyan whenever he was healthy at tight end. Yeah, I I don't know about the Packers this year. <laughs> I would love for the Packers to finally start losing. I have one annoying friend that's a Packers fan, and I'm tired of getting Snapchats when they win of him uh, wearing a cheese head celebrating with cheese in a hot tub 
it's <laughs> it's been a running thing for him for about eight years now. Oh man, we're in the same boat. I have a diehard friend that's a Packers fan as well. So hey, if they start crumbling, I will not be complaining. Oh yeah, no, that's definitely a rest in piss bozo <laughs> text you would get from me. No sympathy whatsoever. I've been a Browns fan for 15 years. So I've dealt with 0 and 16, 1 and 15, 2 and 14, bad coaches, bad draft picks, bad everything. So I'm not one to give too much sympathy out there. Yeah, speaking of the Browns, what do you think about the Baker trade request? Do you think he's going to end up anywhere? He has to with Watson getting traded over there. Uh, yeah, Baker's good as gone. It's just who's going to take him. I want him to go to the Lions so he has a chance to play relatively soon because golf clearly isn't the answer. But, you know, just honestly anywhere that would give us back a little bit of trade cap, uh, draft capital and uh, a little bit of salary cap relief. Yeah, I'm curious to see where Baker goes. I initially thought that the situation was right for him, but are you excited to see what Deshaun can do even after everything he's been through? Yes. And honestly, it's a long time coming for him to be with the Browns. Back at the 2017 draft, uh, my friend, my friends and I, we all have a draft party every year at this wing spot called Pluckers. Mm-hmm. And the stars align for everything. Miles Garrett with the first pick, Watson with the 12th. They have the pick. He's up there at 12, and they trade him to the Texans. Mm. So it's just a five-year delay, but I'm very excited to see what he can do especially once all the allegations and everything clear up and get a little bit more clarity on that. <clears throat> I mean, he he's definitely one of the top QBs in the league for sure. So just be interesting yeah, to see he, how he fits. He also has that grimy badge right now. So I got to see how he can navigate both of those. Yeah, very true. And do the Browns have a first round pick this upcoming draft? They will not have a first-round pick again until 2025. 2025? Which yeah. trade was that? <laughs> that was the Watson trade. It was three first-round oh, picks. Oh, oh. Okay, yes. I, I see that now. They gave up the 13th pick to the Texans. Okay. Yeah. Do you think that haul was worth it? If he wins two playoff games it'll be worth it. All he needs to do is get two playoff wins for it to be worth it. That that franchise in the city has been starving. Just give him two playoff wins. Put him in the conference finals once, and no one's going to care about the trade. <clears throat> two playoff wins, that's – I don't know if that's a low bar or – I mean, I guess it's a high bar for the Browns, but seems yeah, a bit starving low. starving out here. <laughs> it's been yeah. starving. People weren't going to look at Baker as a bust if he made the playoffs. That's all he had to do. Winning a Super Bowl was never the target with him on this rookie deal. He made the playoffs, won his playoff game. Everything was seen as success until he got hurt last year. Just got to give Cleveland something to eat. If you (laughs) keep starving them, they're going to just keep staying angry. Yeah, my my Giants have the fifth and the seventh pick this year, and – a lot of I've seen a lot of the fan base keep mentioning that we need to draft Malik Willis, which I disagree with. Uh, 
at this point in time, I feel like we should give Danny Dimes another year to see how he does. And if it doesn't work out, then draft QB next year. But I don't know. I, I don't know. I just don't feel like he's the issue. I feel like we need to surround him with better, a better line, better talent. And uh, last year, everybody was in the emergency room. So all his talent yeah. is coming back this year. Well, also, there's enough veteran QB still out there that if you just improve the line with that five and seven or line in a receiver or a line in a corner, just find pieces to go around him or go get one of the high profile vets that's going to be on the market. Right. Right. And my, my second squad is the dolphins, which I completely forgot to bring this up was the Tyree kill trade, which blew my mind. Yeah, pretty much all Heat fans have the Dolphins as a secondary squad. We can't can't stay too far away from them. But yeah, Tyreek Hill getting moved over honestly would have been second place for me on my most shocking moves. <clears throat> yeah, I've the only reason I have a I can't think of the word. They're my secondary team is because I'm a Heat a Heat fan. But yeah. I I bought a Tua yeah. jersey when he got drafted. So, you know, uh, a lot of people saying Tua can't throw, Tua can't do this, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I'm rooting for him. I have his jersey. Uh, I don't want to feel like I wasted money. So I'm rooting for him. And I, I think it'll be a good connection. He's got the Penguin and the, the Cheetah, two of the, I would say probably the fastest wide receiver duo in the league. If he can't do anything with that, then it might be a problem. Yeah, that's on him if he can't do something with all that around him. He has too much to fail right now. Um, ideally, you would like to see them still attend to the line because the line still wasn't 100% fixed on what they had going on. But, yeah, this is two as make it or break a year because they're another team that you can plug and play with uh, McDaniel's system. If I would 0% be surprised if Garoppolo's on that team in a year if Tua doesn't pan out. Uh, I think you will, man. I I don't think people are giving him a fair shot, but we'll see. I, I don't understand the thing about how Tua doesn't have arm strength. I don't know what games we've been watching. Clearly, it's different film, but I feel like he has the arm strength to be able to get it downfield to his receivers, but we'll see. And on the flip side of things with the Chiefs, do you think they're going to be the same at all with their top receiver gone? Uh I don't think they'll be the same, but I definitely think they'll still be scary. Uh, Pat Mahomes can still make, you know, diamonds out of a piece of coal here. But it the AFC West that he's in, too, you have to look at the Chiefs and, you know, kind of pride on what they've already done to give them enough respect to go up against the Broncos, Raiders, and Chargers. That is a tough division. Yeah, it, it became the scariest division in football in over a matter of like 10 days. Got Russell Wilson, the Broncos, and you got Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, and Jay Herbo. Yeah. That is a division I mean, right there. Yeah. Herbert, watching him last year, some of the plays that he made, I honestly felt like I was just watching someone on Madden get 
the game giving them everything. Like yeah, it, it just made insane. no sense to me. Absolutely insane. I love watching him. Yeah, I wish that the division that we're in, the NFC East, was something like that. But <laughs> you no, know. you don't. <laughs> you like no. if you have a semi-competitive team, you can make the playoffs. Okay, well, if we were good, hypothetically, if we were good, I would want that. Not at this current moment. Yeah, I mean, I can attest to being a fan of someone in a tough division when you have the Ravens and Steelers who have pretty much just been rotating, punching each other in the mouth the entire time I've been a fan. Was there any other big moves that we missed? I think we mentioned most of them. Uh, Yeah, pretty much everything else was mentioned. The only thing uh, I would say that would be worth considering is the fact that Khalil Mack, you know, moved to the Chargers. And Von Miller moved to the uh, Bills to help beef up that defense. <clears throat> yeah, that – I don't know about that contract, though. Was it six years? I forgot the money. Yeah, it's a lot like Taysom Hill's contract, though. It's a lot of fake money. Because Taysom Hill did not sign for four years, $140 million. But that's what his contract has with a bunch of void years. Gotcha. Yeah, I just initially thought it was a, a lot of money for an aging linebacker. But, <laughs> yeah, no, nah, they they would never do that. But yeah, I think that was a good discussion about the NFL. I'm glad I'm getting myself more into it to the point where I can actually understand and conversate about it. So I'm I'm really excited for this upcoming season, seeing a lot of uh, new faces new places so we'll see what yeah, happens you still got the draft in four weeks they, they like most of the players are going to play next year you got two 400 people who haven't even who don't even know where they're going yet oh yeah absolutely i'm just i try to avoid the draft because <laughs> you know gettleman uh yeah but as a browns fan that's my super bowl <laughs> that's fair that is fair. Yeah, I'm excited for the draft, too. Just it's a, it's a good time to be a football fan, for sure. And our last topic of the day is, which I know you're waiting for this one, is March Madness. So Kansas beat Villanova last night, uh, handled them pretty well. Uh, I think the audience knows by now, but I'm a KU fan. This is the first time I'll get to witness Kansas in the national championship as a fan of the team. Um, last time they went to the championship was 2012 against Kentucky, I believe, uh, when they had Anthony Davis and lost. So it will be fun to see. And then Duke, I mean, North Carolina beat Duke and ended Coach K's career, which that was a hell of a game as well. So what was your thoughts on last night's games? Last night's game, honestly, the Kansas-Villanova game, I didn't watch it. I went to the Harlem Globetrotters instead. That was great, by the way. <laughs> if you haven't been to the Harlem Globetrotters before, you should go. But uh, Kansas and Villanova just seemed like it was going to be a quick, you know, tip the ball off and wait for the next game to start type of game. Yeah, you didn't miss anything. Oh, I know I didn't because I looked <laughs> on my March Madness app and <laughs> it never got closer to the nine after the 15-minute mark. Yep. But uh, that Duke-North Carolina game, that was everything that just being a fan of basketball, you wanted. 
you've wanted to see those two compete at some point in the tournament. And then beyond that, you just saw big plays, big shots. The moment never got too big for either team. And honestly, it's going to sound weird to hear it this way, but the team that was coached better for that game definitely won. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And coach got to have some cojones in those moments just down to the wire. And I don't know, looking at Coach K's expression, maybe it was just his normal expression, looked like he's ready to go. He was sick of it. He's looked pissed off since, I mean, like 1988, (laughs) I guess. Yeah. But I've never seen him happy beyond a couple of ESPN commercials and I guess whenever he gets to hold a trophy. But, I mean, that happiness bleeds his face pretty quick. And now we got the Jayhawks and the Tar Heels, which I've been talking my mess already because my cousin is a Tar Heel fan. But um, it should be a really good game. North Carolina's the eight seed, but they haven't been playing like it. No, it's a lot like whenever they made Kentucky an eight seed once when they went to the Final Four. Like, there was no point to ever put Kentucky as an eight seed that year or to put North Carolina as an eight seed this year. Like, nobody, anybody who watched them play knows they're not an eight seed. So... It's just a bad seeding matchup, but honestly, it was all a ploy to knock out Baylor in the second round, but <laughs> we get it. Man, you're, you're Baylor Bears. That, how, how are you feeling after that, that loss? Uh, that loss hurt me more than it should have, just because it, <laughs> it made me believe. At, when they were getting beat by 25, I didn't care. I was out at the baseball field. Like, I mean, honestly, at that point, I was just talking to my brother on a golf cart. And then they go to overtime. I did not watch any of the game once they went down 25. And they went to overtime and just completely, you know, laid a duck. So it is what it is. You can't win them all. Most of the time with Baylor, they don't win any games in the tournament. So I actually haven't been that upset. So it just it is what it is. But they weren't as good as they needed to be this year. And they definitely weren't a one seed. You know, just – Come on over to the dark side, the other Big 12 team. <laughs> uh, you know, I guess going into predictions for tomorrow, I definitely think Kansas wins that game. Yes, sir. But it will be a long day in a hot place before I ever become a Kansas fan. <laughs> Strictly because I hated watching uh, Perry Ellis play. God, I uh, could not stand Perry Ellis. And he seemed to be at Kansas for like six years. For some odd reason, I couldn't. This is very weird, but as a Kansas fan, I did not like watching him play either. Yeah, he just played like somebody's dad stuck at Kansas for six years, looked like it. And during the time that I was at Baylor, there was just a chance that the student section would do, just call him Dr. Ellis the whole time. At that point, you just thought he had tenure and he was a professor. (laughs) Dr. Ellis. Dr. Ellis' chance would rain down during the KU-Baylor games. Man, yeah, it did seem like he was there forever. It's the same thing with uh, Joe Withy. I don't know if you remember him. Yeah, I remember Joe Withy. He yeah. had tenure there. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Uh, still love him, but that's fair. Uh, yeah, um, I became a Kansas fan in 2013 when that was the year Ben McLemore was there. Mm-hmm. And I say you become a fan during the Ben McLemore and. Andrew Wiggins period. Yes, I think yeah. Wiggins came the year after Ben McLemore, I think. 
Yeah, Wiggins was the first pick in 14. So right. that would – yeah, that's the 13-14 season. Yeah, that that was the year I became a Kansas fan. It was just random. Like, I, I was getting into college basketball that year. And at first, I picked Kansas State because I liked the purple uniforms. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, they're not that good. And then – this does sound like some bandwagon stuff, but I I don't remember. I just remember watching Kansas play and Ben McLemore play, and I loved the atmosphere of Allen Fieldhouse. Like, that seems like the energy is insane. Like, it seems like one of the most difficult places to play in college basketball, and I'm, I really gravitate towards energy. So that's how um, I became yeah, a Kansas no. fan. Allen Fieldhouse, whenever I was at uh, Baylor, you could do the travel ban if you wanted. Yeah. To Allen Fieldhouse for a game, and you couldn't hear the noise come out of your instrument. Like, it is just a wall of sound. Can't get anything out of it. You say out of your instrument? Yeah, you can't hear yourself play. You just think you're playing it. It's so loud in there the whole time. Oh, you were in the um, with the band? Yeah, at Baylor, you if you played in high school, you could try out and get it as a job. So you'd get paid between fifty to seventy-five bucks a game, mm-hmm. and have great seats. So, like, you always signed up for the Baylor Kansas games or Baylor UT, mainly for the free trip to Austin. But yeah, things like that. You would uh, go to some of the opposing arenas if the game was on ESPN, and yeah, you couldn't hear the noise come out of your instrument. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, that's like on my bucket list of games or arenas I want to go to just because I noticed how loud it was and how passionate the fan base was. And I gravitated towards them. And the mascot is a Jayhawk. So (laughs) it just seemed to work out. Yeah. People always like ask me why my teams are all over the place. Like I'm, I'm a Heat fan. And I'm a Giants fan. Um, not in the same city. It's just I, I have my different reasons. And then with colleges, like I'm a Florida football fan and I like Kansas and basketball. Um, yeah, it's just Yeah, my my fandom split too. Like I'm a Heat fan, a Browns fan, a Yankees fan, colleges. I mean, I live in Texas, so I'm a Texas football fan, but I used to root for the U when I lived in Florida because they were the coolest thing you could see on TV. Oh, did you live in Miami? No, I, I lived in Northwest Florida, so it would have made sense to be a Florida State fan or yeah. a uh, University of Florida fan because I was coming off of uh, – no, it was right before uh, Tim Tebow got there when I was – Tim Tebow signed in 08 or 07, I want to say. So yeah. during that time, everything was Florida or Florida State. But no, I like the U. Also, green and orange is such a cool colorway. So that's what you would want it to wear. I, I agree. But just growing up, my dad was a Florida State fan, and I wanted to oppose him. So I became a Florida fan. And love Tim Tebow also. <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah, that's another thing, like how I brought up with Allen Fieldhouse. I was watching Florida play in the swamp, 
And I was like, this atmosphere is incredible. I want to be a part of this. And um, I also like how electric the swamp was. And, you know, the environment and the atmosphere, that's as big as a part of me becoming a fan of it as the team is. So I just feel well, like... Well, I mean, that's the, that's the same thing for you to notice, too, at your Miami games. Like, you go to a Heat game, that's not normal in other stadiums or other arenas. Yeah. Like what you hear at a heat game, even during a loss, is more powerful and more impactful than I've ever heard at a Spurs game, Mavericks game, Pelicans, Hornets, any of those other arenas. Honestly, you could you can hear a ball drop you know, on the other side of the court if you needed to. But at a heat game, it's like a carnival going on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I just went to my first heat game uh two weeks ago i think against the pistons and that experience was <laughs> incredible super loud like you would thought it was a playoff game but we were playing the pistons um yeah you can't trade it in yeah it was amazing incredible experience definitely got to go back but um yeah I, the only nba arenas i've been to games i've been to was atlanta and charlotte and after being to Miami, I never want to go back to those places. <laughs> uh, come on, Atlanta's not bad. State Farm's a decent place to watch a game. The team just can't be bad whenever you're doing it. I guess, well, I, I did go when the Hawks were kind of bad. That was back in 2017. So, Oh, yeah, they were horrible. Yeah, yeah. That was back when we had Hassan Whiteside and Deion Waiters. So... Um, well, you'll never hear an ounce of Dion slander from me. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, go, if you get a chance, go back to another Hawks game because they're, they're way different now and were different before, like, when Budenholzer was the coach. They were they were fun games to be at. Yeah, I, those two experiences I went to, though, do not hold a, a candle to the uh, Heat-Pistons game I went to a few weeks back. Oh, yeah, <laughs> no. My first Heat game in person was uh, the Mavs versus Heat in 2019 when it was uh, Luka's first time playing Goran Dragic in the United States. So it was a bunch of Slovenian people, and it sounded like a soccer game was going on. Oh, oh yeah, they had that whole section of them wearing the, the green shirts. Mm -hmm. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, it was crazy. It was nothing but soccer chants the whole time. When Heat people were shooting free throws, there was 3,000 people still screaming. Wow. Yeah, that's got to be amazing, man. Yeah, those are just those experiences that I have to witness for myself. And like I was saying, this is a big catalyst in becoming a fan of the team, not just the team itself or a specific athlete. Um, I feel like that camaraderie between the fan base and how passionate they are is essentially what pulls me in to wanting to become a fan. And I'm sure you can feel the same way. Oh yeah. Uh, atmospheres like Texas football games, Yankee baseball games. I haven't actually witnessed a Browns game in person because they played during the fall and it's cold, but yeah. uh, like Miami games, everything, the atmosphere when you're there is unmatched. Yeah. I still, I've never been to a game in the swamp and I haven't seen the Giants play either, but that's next on my list. Uh, the games at the swamp are pretty,
pretty cool to be at. I have went to quite a few, uh, especially when Jeff Driscoll was quarterback. That was when tickets started to finally drop off in price after the Tebow days. Yeah. But the best college arena, I've, the best college uh, stadium I've been to, it's Florida State. And it's going to sound weird to hear. When you have 90,000 people doing that war chant, you feel like you're about to get attacked. Like it is definitely <laughs> inside that stadium. I've been to a Florida State game, actually. Um, but it wasn't like a primetime game. I, I would love to go to a, a primetime game when it's a, a sellout. But we went when they were playing the Citadel, and it was like a noon game. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, no one's no one's chanting during that game. Yeah, I mean, there were chanting, but it was barely anyone there. It was, it was a noon game, and uh, that was when they had Jameis Winston. Um, yeah, there was – Barely anybody there, but it was cool to see Chief Osceola in the little pregame tradition. Like, e- even as a, a Florida fan, that's still easily my favorite pregame tradition is the war chant. I love it. Yeah, my least favorite is that stupid scooter thing that uh, Oklahoma has. But you do <laughs> always cheer for someone to tip it over. I'm not a cynical person, but that is very funny whenever that whole thing flips over. Sooner schooner. Yeah, God, I can't stand Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's fair. And hey, we beat Oklahoma in the in the uh, championship last time we won the championship. So we got yeah, that. Yeah, should have been playing Oklahoma. If you don't bring up some old wounds, that should have been Texas versus Florida. There was no reason for Oklahoma to be in that game. Was that was that when they had Colt McCoy? Yes, that was the three way tie year where Texas beat Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma beat Texas Tech and Texas Tech beat UT. Mm-hmm. And with the three-way tie, they deemed that OU was the going to be the highest-ranked team. And mm. brewing what could have been the greatest college football game we had ever seen. Gotta love the BCS. I'm glad it's gone. But I can't <laughs> believe we dropped off March Madness without – my friends are going to kill me if I do not bring up my death feud that I have with Armando Baycott. And it is nothing about the way that he plays. I said the first time I saw him during the McDonald's All-American game, I said, that is the ugliest son of a gun I've ever seen in my life. And now he's been playing for North Carolina. And my mom mentioned it every single time. He said, the ugly man's doing good again. And <laughs> it's Armando Baycott, ugliest sin, but good God, he can rebound. Wait, who, you said your friends brought it up? Uh, my mom brings it up. Ever since oh. we watched the McDonald's All-American game, I pointed gotcha. out, and I was like, good God, that's an ugly dude. <laughs> Talking about Armando Baycott, and now he won't get off my screen. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't disagree with you. Yeah, so I'm going to need uh, Okai and the boys over at KU to do their job tomorrow. Yeah, he's super talented. Uh, I think hopefully um, McCormick can neutralize Baycott a little bit. We'll see. Um, Remy Martin has been playing super well. Jalen Wilson, Ochai Abaji, Christian Brown. We got a lot of hoopers, a lot of winners. Uh, I think I think we'll get it done. No bias. I think we get the yeah. job done. Yeah, one last thing about last year, whenever uh, Roy Williams announced that he was going to retire, I put on Twitter, I was like, y'all got to get Hubert Davis as coach. He's someone who loves North Carolina, could sell North Carolina. 
And I'm pretty sure I mentioned it on your pod last year too, because he retired right before the final four. And I got laughed off on Twitter about it. People that are North Carolina fans begged for Hubert not to get hired. Mm-hmm. And it's just to point out, got to shut the hell up during coaching decisions because Hubert Davis more than panned out immediately. Hey, got to let him know. Got to let him know. Yeah, I'll go ahead and I'll I'll tag in <laughs> that tweet there because I thought you could see the exchange there between me and my friend Chuck O'Neill with this one. He did not want Hubert at all. And clearly he's worked out if they're in the championship game. So, <laughs> yeah, especially coming out of the ACC like they had to. The yes. U and in his first uh, year, Duke. Yeah. Yeah. Proved a lot of people wrong with that one. Yeah. It, it's one of those things, too, where North Carolina, the reason Hubert ended up getting hired was the Michael Jordan co sign for that. Like MJ co signed that hire and got him over there. I don't think if MJ didn't co sign him, they would have gone off and tried to get somebody. Yeah, but Bill Self is the superior coach. Let's keep it a buck. <laughs> he should be, but it's always you don't know your enemy yet. There's a thousand <laughs> hours of tape on Bill Self and what he does. You pretty much got a weak flash drive right now on Hubert Davis and what he can cook up for that game. So I think Very coaching true. ignorance might actually – uh chime in on this one all right i think we can wrap this one up i'm gonna ask for your final prediction for tomorrow's national championship game uh ku over unc 86 to 80 86 to 80 okay i'm gonna go yeah i think we're too much for north carolina once again no bias. Um, McCormick drops. I mean, not McCormick. Uh, Abaji rises the draft stock again. He's going to drop 25. Hear me out. Abaji <laughs> drops 25. Uh, Jalen Wilson goes crazy as well. And Kansas wins by 13. 72. <laughs> to 59 Kansas takes home the W and that's all folks enjoy that one (laughs) that's all I got to say on the matter rock talk Jayhawk all right man you got any final thoughts Isaiah nope can't wait for the playoffs and hopefully your boys from Kansas make me some money tomorrow absolutely uh I'm not going to bet. I'm not a betting man because it has not treated me well. So I'm going to stay away from that. My friend tried to get me into it, but can't do it anymore. You you have fun with that. You might get me back into it. We'll see. All right. Bless y'all on that one. <laughs> but all right. Uh, I appreciate you for coming back on. Definitely have you back soon. All right. Thank you, man. As always, thanks for keeping it real. This is your host, Jay, and you just listened to Burner Talk. I'm out. Peace.